Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Whoa, good morning, good afternoon, good night. This is Connor Hawley of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a GDP Minute. And this is the second time I've recorded this intro because I forgot to ask. Guys, please share this with a friend. It means the world to me. I'm trying to grow this platform to be very big so I can be in a position where I can make bigger projects, bigger films, bigger movies. And truthfully, I don't even want to make movies, man. I love producing, but I'd rather just be in them. Truthfully, acting is the easiest damn job of all time, and I love doing it. All love, brother. Anyway, guys, um, I'm about to go run a marathon down on Manhattan Beach. And I wanted to get this intro off before I did so because sometimes you can be mentally debilitated after running a long distance like that. And I wanted to make sure you guys know how I felt. This is how I feel right now. I feel like I was not very focused in this episode yesterday, but I still had a good time because I've been super fucking spread thin and I've not been focused and I'm putting too much on my plate because I'm like, yo, I gotta fucking, let's get more money in. Let's fucking grow the brand. I gotta be a little more calculated about things. You know what I'm saying? I gotta monetize this damn podcast. It's costing me like 150 an episode, which isn't terrible, but because it's professional quality, but on top of that, I'm editing and it's like, I've been doing this for three, four years now. It's time to make some fucking bread off this thing, man. For real. Um, you know, I make bread in other ways because of this, because it's the way I connect with people, but still like, I gotta make more fucking money on this thing, man. And I also feel like I'm going to be rich soon. I do. I'm out here in California. It seems like there's money everywhere. I feel like I got the sauce. I feel like I'm going to outwork everyone. I just got to stay in my lane, nail my fucking lane. Anyway, guys, Kai came on the show. Great dude. Amazing guy. He was hustling in Boston when I was coming up, throwing shows at the Middle East in 2018. He might have been a little before my time, but anyway. First artist to have a huge feature. Um, He had a song with Wiz Khalifa. White girls in Boston loved him in, in like 2017, 2018. And uh, then he shifted out here. And now he's just been hustling for a long time. And um, he's got a new song coming out. He's a really nice dude, man. Really honest guy. And uh, I'm really glad I met him. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. All love. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just, you forgot to enter. And then you were just like a wild cowboy out on the streets like, yeah holy shit yeah but then the the thing that like made it more difficult i think was after that first year i went on three tours back to back so basically my second year here you weren't here i wasn't here at all and then my third year that's when i like really started to try to get footing and then the fourth year was covid and then and so now that's you're when i sixth year yeah, and then five and six, I moved to Santa Monica to the west side, and I already had built a solid friend, friend group and like found a bunch of hot chicks over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude, it's uh, uh, the west side is great. I love it. I can, the west side's the southie of LA. Yeah, would you I say mean, so? I feel like I can live, uh, I can live there and be very comfortable in myself and not feel too much pressure like there's this weird energy in la that like this pressure energy in all big cities i think especially like la and yeah, hollywood specifically hollywood you really feel it for sure the valley like it's still there it just feels i don't know like you feel like you're you in feel it. Like enclosed you're in, almost you're in the snake pit brother. and it's like 115 degrees outside in the summer like 
it's 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 a lot and you don't know what to expect but then you go by the ocean and then i always feel like the ocean is this just suck are we rolling um here we'll we'll let you yeah, yeah. oh is it recording yeah. oh. I, I always cut the before just so do you want us to clap to sync no. okay sync. you can clap go ahead okay continue though your thoughts <laughs> yeah and then i'll introduce you afterwards okay word um i feel like that there's all these humans on land right and we're giving off our, emitting our different energies, good, bad energies. And then you get to the ocean and there's no humans for like hundreds and thousands of miles. And that's just like an energy suck that just refreshes that part of the land. So that's why I feel like the beach just takes all the bad voodoo shit that's going on in LA. And just, and just cuts like it off. cleans it and then like gives you fresh, fresh perspective. But with that philosophy, doesn't mean that there's an excess amount of negative energy on the beach itself. And then when you hit the water, because you're clean. Because it's all coming there. Yeah. Because yeah. it's all stopping right there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it maybe just flo- like just keeps going. It dissipates. It, yeah, it just dissipates. And then there's nothing there to like hold it in. So it's like just pulling it. Being from Boston, it's interesting that you're a beach guy. Yeah. Have, have you always been drawn to the beach? Yeah. Like, did you go to the Cape growing up? And... Yeah. Okay. We we went to the Cape, like, every summer. And then uh, my mom's side of the family would go to Mexico every Christmas vacation. Cancun? And spend, like, a week. Uh, Cancun and Cabo, we'd switch off. But I always loved warmer climates and the beach. Well, you're Filipino, right? Yeah. You think it's genetic? Probably. I don't know. Probably. How do you... Well, so Killian's Irish. No, no. How do you feel in a warm climate? You feel like you're at home. You'd rather be in the savage, wintry cold. I'd rather be in a cave alone. I'm with you there. We come from a long line of Irish savages yeah. who are out there in the fields scraping eyes out for potatoes. Yeah. yeah. Just want a little teaspoon of water to stay alive. Um. Okay. Who's in the room? Give me a shout, brethren. Killian Dillon, co-producer on the show. You look great, man. Your hair looks awesome. Who's engineering today? Geo Geronimo. Uh, That's his real name is Geo Geronimo. That's sick. And on my Geo right, Geronimo. camera left, um, we haven't been doing a great job branching out. <laughs> like everyone we've had is on from the East Coast thus far. Boston bread. I know, dude. Well, I was saying to you, I think there, and I've said it a couple of times, I think there's like a, you can tell right away if someone's from the East Coast, except you'd probably be the hardest to tell from the East Coast of everyone. Yeah, I've you got to talk far. to me first. <laughs> for, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but Kai, thank you for coming, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. You're like an LA vet. So we Stumbled. just want to pick I'm, your brain I'm on what working, the city's like. I'm working my way up there. I was talking to, I'm, I'm working on building my live show right now. And I had this sound guy come over um, who's from LA. And he bit, I was like, oh yeah, I've been here for six years. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm from here. But I always say like when someone reaches 10 years, then, they, then they're LA. I'm like, damn, I'm not there yet. But Do you feel like the there. city has stripped you of your grit and made you a more relaxed person? Or I feel like I was always kind of like that before I came here. You Even do? Even in Boston. Did you feel out of place in Boston? I don't. I didn't feel out of place, but everyone told me that they saw me in California. Yeah, and I was like, or in like Hawaii or something, and I don't. I just was like, okay, I guess I'm going there. And then when you got here, it clicked. Yeah, I mean, like, I okay, still, I get why people think that. I still like. I don't know if I'll live here for the rest of my life, but for now, it feels right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, as I was saying to you on the phone, I, I almost positive I went to one of your shows at the Middle East. That that would have been the first first like legit show. Was it downstairs? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that was the That's first. That's a big deal, bro. Do the downstairs. Yeah, that was that was definitely the first legit show that I had done. I had done a few like here and there. I did my first show show as Kai. I obviously was gigging, playing steel drum, jazz. Where were you doing that? Just all over Boston, New Hampshire. I used to have like what this, venues? Like jazz clubs. Um, Lilypad in Inman Square. You ever Lily do that? Lilypad yeah. used to hit that like all the time yeah. in eighth grade. Uh, Terrible acoustics. What was there. that? Yeah. What was that one? I want to say Johnny Rockets, but it's not Johnny Rockets. Johnny Rockets. Damn, you were really hustling when you were starting out. <laughs> there, there was this one bar in Arlington or Somerville or something that we used to always hit way back when I was like really young. I can't remember. It was Tavern in the Square. Yeah, I don't know. No. I don't know. Maybe, the 99? It'll maybe it'll come to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, yeah. And then I did one show at Out of the Blue, which is an art gallery. Okay. And they had like. How old are you at this time? 16, 17. Got it. This is my first show. Maybe I was, yeah, 16, 17. Um, like a junior in high school. Um, and they had little artists come and like they would sell, I don't know, 40 tickets, 50 tickets, and it would be like a nice little gathering. But it was an art studio, so there's like a lot of like delicate shit. And me and a couple of my friends just hustled to sell that show out, and it was like the first show, so we made a big deal. Nice. And we ended up selling like 350 tickets. Holy shit. All to like- An art gallery. Rowdy junior and senior high school kids who came like hammered. They and, brought nips in. Yeah, they were all just getting lit <laughs> and so hyped for this- hip-hop show because that's what i was doing at the time um and the art student like they could not handle it they started freaking out they shut me down in a song before the the really set was finished and everyone was going great yeah it was it was fun I'm but sure. then after that the middle east downstairs was i think the next show or one of the next shows oh wow but that was that was a, that was the first one where i was like okay this so is you're like 17 18 when you're doing this yeah damn okay yeah, that that show was. I realized that I could actually do music. Early. Because, yeah, and like, cause you know, mid I didn't make that much off of that show, but like headlining a show like that, selling out the downstairs, the Middle like, East, yeah, you know, it's money, and I'm like, oh shit, like music can make money for this sure. Is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's like the that's probably the biggest check you could get as an independent artist in Boston is selling the Middle East. Yeah, probably. I mean. Think yeah. about it. Unless, unless you go to Paradise. You can, unless you can go to Paris or House of Blues or something. Or, For sure. But at that point, but, you do House of Blues, you're probably not independent anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll who see. knows? Who knows? You're right. Yeah. Um, now, when when you and your, your guys were hustling to sell at the art gallery, were you just like hyper-focusing on the ISL? Like, is that how you spread the word, kind of? We, we just went around like... Cause you're BC High. BC I guess High. that's not the ISL. It's not that. It's it's, it's a Catholic League, Catholic right? conference. Or those something. Are, those are all all dude schools, though, right? Yeah. Okay. So we we went around our school and just sold tickets. It was kind of like it felt like we were selling drugs because we really? had like I gave like three of my friends a hundred tickets each or something, and they all went around with the back in their back pocket, and they were like, "Yo, you should come to the show, like <laughs> get some ca- hard cash back and bring it back." Um, 
but then we would we would outsource to because there are the sister schools and then also like everyone has someone like, they want to bring. Was it Dana Hall? Uh, not Dana Hall. No Notre Dame. Okay, Notre Dame Prep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Notre Dame. Uh, and there's a few others that I'm blanking on right now. Yeah, that was the main sister school though. Okay. Yeah, I remember like um, I mean, you probably remember growing up like it was the same strategy with Sammy Adams. Like, you remember how big right. he was? And it was yeah. the same strategy, like, those schools, like, get the tickets out to those kids. Right. And then, so when you shifted over to the Middle East, did you know it was, like, that venue? Yeah, I mean. It was a big deal in Boston, bro. Yeah. I I was just, I didn't even, re- at that time, think about it like that. I was like, oh, great. Another show this is going to be cool. Let's try it. And it was sick that we sold it. I don't, I, it's crazy to you think sold it that out, we yeah? sold it out. Yeah. Hey, dude. Yeah. I sold it out, too. Hell yeah. I, I threw a rap show there. Really? I went, go, I went manic for like nine weeks selling tickets. Damn. Yeah. $12 tickets. I don't think I made any money on it. Yeah. But when you packed that place, dude, it was like the best feeling ever. Bro, and that's such a good venue. Like, just such you a, feel the grime. It feels, yeah, you really feel <laughs> like you you're killed? in it. I saw Carter. You went to the show? I was at the show. Yeah. That's awesome. I was there with Jizzy Mo. Damn. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, why were you in town? It was sad. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like June. Is it summer? Yeah, feels right. I just gone over to Boston from Philly. Wow. So, what were your thoughts on the show, man? I loved it, man. I had a great. Did you? One of my my second ever concert ever. Really? Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did you have any openers that night? Yeah. Uh, my boys, Danny Diamond. I know Danny. Yeah. Well, I uh, met him the other day. In Carson Murphy. Okay. Chase. I don't know. He he always changes his name. Oh, Chase. He, he used to go by Chase, Chase Chowder. Chowder. Yeah. He used to oh, go by word. Chase I met him do... the other night, too. Yeah. yeah oh, they open for you. Yeah. They're out here. Uh, and then... He just said he moved to Burbank. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they they recently moved out here. I'm happy for them. They're they're killing it, as always. So you remember the Sammy Adams days, those, right? Like, yeah. growing up? Sammy Adams, dude, I remember remember the Malfi days. Of course. Store gang. <laughs> dude, the Malfi days are great. When I was in eighth grade, I got a, a uh, picture, like me and three of my friends. With he came to our middle school just randomly because he was friends with one of our friends' older brother. And he was a beast marketer, bro. And he just pulled up and we we're like, yo, Malfi, let's get a picture. Killer, are you familiar with Malfi? He was like, he was the first, like, real successful rapper at least in our lifetime from boston and his was just a force with the promotion like dude he would roll up with like 50 people to high schools and like go perform on a like a high school stage high school auditorium and he really made like his own wave for himself i remember he got a picture with david ortiz and like all of his ad libs were like dorchester (laughs) no he was he he was rapping and white kids loved mattapan yeah mattapan and white kids loved um Miss Newton, yeah, you remember? Like, oh, yo, we yeah, know some girls in Newton. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So you you do your show at the Middle East, and then how do you make a decision? Like, it must have like you're 18 years old and shit's like growing for you. How do you make a decision? Either come out here, or go to school. Like, what is going through your mind at that time? I, I basically, so at that time in my life, I was playing tennis super hardcore. And doing music super hardcore and then doing school. Like, that was my life, basically. Um, And when I was 
probably 15, 16, that's when I, I hurt my wrist or something playing tennis. And I realized like, you know, I could, if I tried to go D1 for tennis, cause at the time I was trying to go D1 and I was looking at schools for that. And I was like, if I tried to do tennis, like maybe I could go pro up for a little bit, but then when I'm like 35, my career is over. So you were nasty. I mean, I don't know if I could have gone pro, but I probably could have gone D1 if if I had fully went for it and stayed healthy, obviously. But um, I don't know. I hurt my wrist and I was like, okay, I don't know. I could do this till I'm 35 or I could do music till I'm like 95. You know what I mean? So then I chose music because of that reason. And then started looking at schools in LA specifically because I felt like that was the place to be. Felt drawn to. And I felt like that was a great kind of stepping stone, one, to get my parents okay with me moving out to L.A. to just find a school to go here. Um, and to find, like, if I find a music school, I could meet some people quickly, you know. So that was kind of my thought process there. And were they cool with it? Yeah. Shifting into music? Yeah. Are, are either your parents first-generation immigrant? Um, my mom's parents moved here. So she's second generation. So she's second generation. I think she might have been born like right before they moved here, but I don't even I don't know what that means. And, and they, she, she grew up is... in Dallas mostly, and then moved over to, um, like the New York. New and your dad's from Concord, right? My dad's from Concord. Um, I grew so... up in Lincoln in Cambridge. Okay, bye. Not bye. really. Pretty boring. Yeah, <laughs> Cambridge is the vibe though. Cambridge is nice. Cambridge is awesome. Um, so. Yeah, what was I saying before that? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> uh, so caught in the simulation in LA. The music. Okay, yeah, this was my this was my question. My question was, were your parents cool with you getting into music? And the reason I ask is because most times people have immigrant parents or parents from a different country. They want them to be like a fucking doctor or a scientist. Yeah, I mean, my parents were always very supportive. They, I feel like I wouldn't be a musician if they hadn't forced me to practice when i was i was i used to play classical piano when i was like four years old or something because my parents wanted all of us to have a musical instrument to know how to play just you know that was their they wanted you have a brother a, and a brother and a sister okay, my cool. brother started on violin my sister started on cello damn um you guys were just winners over at your house man they <laughs> dominant household they were like we got to do music or something i don't know but I chose piano. I think it could have even been like the Belmont public school system. They had everyone. There was like one year where we had to play band or something. Where'd you go, Burbank? No, uh, Wellington. Wellington. Oh, Winbrook. You're one of those guys. Winbrook. Okay, that was a, that was yeah. a small school, right? Of, yeah, of all four. I, I think so. I don't know. It was. I don't know. You did? Did you do Chenery as well? No, I left in third grade and went to Shady, Shady Hill. Hill. That's what Frick was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and that's yeah. Okay, we're, sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, no. I'm just getting pumped. I miss home, man. <laughs> Dude, it's so nice to talk about <laughs> Boston shit in LA. It's like being at Sunny McLean's. You feel like you're in Boston when you're in there. No, you feel like you're in Dorchester, bro. <laughs> yeah, true. But then you, you step out and you're like, what the fuck? Where am I? <laughs> you know I walked I mean? into Sunny's probably one of the first times I went, and some 90 year old man grabbed my wrist. Guy hadn't seen a ray of sun in 10 years. <laughs> white as hell casper the ghost he grabs my wrist and he looked at me he goes are you kevin doyle's son and i was like no i'm not kevin doyle's <laughs> son what the fuck oh sorry you look exactly like kevin doyle's son Bro, that's hilarious that's a great spot yeah it's great 
I love it. all of the security guards are like, you know, trying just that have that Boston mentality. Like my girlfriend was late getting into the game six of the finals and their line like it was at capacity. No one's leaving in the middle of the game. She was like halfway through the line. I'm like, yo, bro, like, can I get her in? Usually you, you talk to people in LA and they're like, No, I can't do it. Sorry, I can't do anything about it. But this guy was like you know compensation you got 20 bucks yeah i gave him like 20 bucks and he was like all right we're... <laughs> and i'm like okay we're back <laughs> you know oh, sorry um, so so you're hustling on the violin growing up yeah no, oh, no piano. your brother's doing the violin yeah, he was doing the violin i was doing piano i i like did not enjoy i didn't love music until i got older but they forced me to practice classical piano when i was younger and i was grinding on it not loving it but um then i started to realize that i love other types of music so i started playing like more rock shit and you know whatever jazz pop are you, are you using like logic fruity loops at all at this time learning how to no, produce this, i was like 10 okay you know um but then when i was 11 i switched to drums um and then found the steel drums shortly after and that's when i started producing when i was like 12 13 okay um i got i started on garage band with one of my homies daniel uh from cambridge shout out to daniel shout out to d-dub 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 um and we were just making beats putting them out on youtube and like spamming comments of other this is our the og marketing uh campaign was we would we would comment like yo check out my music on a big YouTube video and then make like 40 YouTube accounts and like it 40 times so that the comment went to the top and then other people started liking it because it had likes and then everyone would, that would be people's in to find the beats. <laughs> bro, that's, that's not the OG tactics. Yeah, that was I'm going to do that tonight. <laughs> that was my OG tactic right there. <laughs> so I'm going to make this interview blog, yeah, bro. Right. No, what I would do at, when I went to Providence College, Rhode Island, what I would do is, and that's where I started making YouTube videos and sketches and stuff, what I would do is when I would upload a video, I would then go to the computer lab and I would open up Reddit accounts on every single computer and then I would flood a Reddit post on all the, you know what uh, I'm saying? Yeah. That's, a, that's a good move. It honestly didn't work. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's give or take. Worth a shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I started producing around then uh, and then shortly after got Logic and then I was making like EDM dance shit, which was terrible. But uh, I saw you just, you got back into that though. I listened what? to Happy before I got here. That's like kind of eating. Yeah, I right? guess so. Yeah. It's, I mean, at this point now, everything is kind of culminating to a point of, I have a lot of, I went through a lot of phases of different musics, uh, music genres. So now at this point, it's kind of all, now I feel like I'm at a point where I've put in the time and work on so many different things that I can make the stuff that I actually want to make and what I'm hearing and like take it out of my head, which has taken a long point, a long time to get to this point. But, but yeah, I don't know. I was making EDM shit, then some like flumier type stuff. And then I started, I got a microphone to record other people on my shit. Cause I was like, okay, the next step for a producer. And then I just started like fucking around behind closed doors and recording some raps because actually in eighth grade I was in a hip hop class for like a there is a like an elective in my school called hip hop in seventh and eighth grade I took it 
um what what could they possibly have been teaching dude (laughs) we like it was a group of like five of us or something in a in a classroom and we had a hip-hop teacher kabir sen shout out kabir sen he's a beast um and he had like a yamaha motif uh keyboard midi and he would make some beats on it you could make like all the beats directly into the it was like maybe an eight track recording thing and um you could play like piano parts some drum parts so it was a production class no so we would like make a beat and then everybody would write like 16 bars and then we'd like go around a circle and rap to each other and then at the end of the semester we would perform in front of the whole school okay (laughs) and i was i mean i was writing some pretty bad raps at that time (laughs) but you know based on life experience yeah, of course, you know, just the hard life of yeah, the growing yeah, up in yeah, being yeah. being fucking 12 years old. <laughs> but um yeah, no. That so that was kind of like it gave me at least a baseline of how to do it. And then I started kind of just behind closed doors recording some raps and I didn't show anyone cuz I was like I don't want anyone to hear this shit. But then my cousin, who's now my manager, um like we, he, I was making music with him at the time. He was putting remixes out as Thero. I don't know if you ever heard Thero on SoundCloud, but he was kind of like the Kygo, Thomas Jack, um, Tropical House Wave. Cool. He was doing remixes and stuff. Um, and I played him one of the songs like in Cape Cod one year. He was like, bro, just put this out. And I put it out and then did... 10 times better than any other song I'd ever put out. Really? So I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. And that's when I started rapping a little more, rapping a little more, putting some stuff out. And then, you know, kind of just spiraled into what it is. Now, you get this like crazy rush of momentum at the start of your career. Like when you reflect on that, like, do you ever think of what if I didn't have that and I had to, like, work six years to get to the point mm. to sell out the Middle East? Like, do you think the trajectory of your career would be different? I mean, obviously it'd be different. It's a dumb question, but do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, so I feel like I did have those six years, though, because, like, I was putting music out since I was 12, you know what I mean, or 11. I was putting out these EDM, shitty EDM mixes that were getting 200 plays on SoundCloud, and then I was putting out the flumey stuff that was maybe getting like a thousand plays on SoundCloud. So it was like a long build. But luckily once I started rapping, that it it that did pick up pretty quick. Fast. It was like I mean, I think the first two songs maybe got like fifty to a hundred thousand streams each. And you're seven. But then the third yeah, and then the third song that I put out uh was Just in Case, which that one got I don't know, maybe 250,000 or something. I, I don't remember the numbers at this point. But then I put on put out Walk On By, which that was like the first one that blogs started picking up. And I was like, oh, shit, like people are listening. People, That's when I would go to school and people were like, yo, that song is sick. What year is this? 2015, 2016? That was end of, that was 2015 when so, I was putting so that So Cousin Stiz was coming up. At the same time, I think so. It was yeah. just a totally different sector. Yeah, different. Wow. Yeah, so that was that was happening, and then I put out Coma. Yeah. Like December of 2015, going into 2016, that's I was a senior in high in high school. Um, that's when I was like applying to colleges and stuff. So that was 
that that's when I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do because Coma just started going crazy um, at that time. How old are you now? 24, 25? 24. Almost 25. Is that scaring you? Coming up. 25. 25 is a quarter century. That's... I'm 26. Yeah, 25 was weird. Don't you think? 25 was a little strange. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, I've arrived. You know what I mean? Like, I'm now in the real world fully, and it's time. Okay, that makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. I feel like I have the same brain I had when I was 14. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's still the same, but I I just mean... You feel like a man. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm on a level playing field with everybody else. Makes sense. And before, I always felt like I had that just younger, you know... Mentality. Yeah. I get it. It's the experience. Have you always felt self-aware? Mm, I guess so. I don't know. I, I like think... You've always known who you were? Takes, no. Okay. Not, not, I, I think I learned, started learning who I was the first time I did shrooms. <laughs> yeah. Tell when, me about it. When I was a senior in high school, I took shrooms and realized, I had this just three hour, just epiphany session of just what was important to me. And I realized like relationships, people, um, like love and connection with like humans uh was number one for me like i had me and my dad used to get in fights a lot um we would i don't know he's like a stressed guy here he's a type a yeah you know he's like always like he's he has an immense amount of love and like he the cares doctor, a lot. right? Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Yeah. yeah. So he's just, but he's like very, you know, he's a stressed guy. And, discipline. Yeah. And you know, I'm not necessarily the most stressed person, so we we butt heads in a lot of different ways, or we did. But I realized, like, while on shrooms, like I don't like that feeling when we can't be in the same room together without like wanting to get in an argument. So I would like the next day I wrote him a, or two days later I like wrote him a letter telling him I did shrooms. And telling him I had this epiphany and like wanted to start working on a relationship. And now we're like, we're homies, which is great. I mean, obviously there are some days where we're off, but like. Um, Do you wrote him a handwritten letter or email? Handwritten letter. Oh, he yeah. must be like, yo, my son is tweaking. About, yeah. <laughs> no, it was great because we had a conversation. He was like, yo, should we talk about it? I'm like, yeah. And he was like, I've done shrooms too. Like it was a great experience. And we like bonded over it a little bit. And, like, it wasn't an overnight switch for sure, but... Um, Do you think that's still your priority is connecting with humans? I think so. I mean, I, I would just say that that first shrooms experience was the start of my spiritual journey. Because before that, it was all, like, you know, you're taught different religions and whatnot. When I was at Catholic school, I was taught all this religion bullshit that I, like, I mean, I never loved school in general, but uh, the religion classes, like, never made any sense to me because I was, like, being forced to learn shit that I didn't want to learn and reading all these stories that, like, may or may not have happened, but everyone believes in, and then there are rules that people wrote fucking thousands of years ago that are now, like, you know, running society. We were talking about this, like, two podcasts ago, like, 
I, I had a conversation with a guy like two weeks ago, probably. And I was like, bro, there's no way you could think the Moses story is real. Yeah. No dude spread the sea with his hands. Yeah, it didn't happen. that just did not. And, I, and again, the guy was like, you just got to believe, man. They, like I could, what probably happened was like, a dude was like, yo, just wait. And then the tide went down and a sandbar came up. And like three hours later, they're like, oh, look, we can walk because the tide went down. Oh my God, this guy's a G. But like everything, hmm. you know, then 2,000 years of embellishment <laughs> happens. And now like, it's like, oh, you like see a superhero. You know what I mean? Or but, it never happened. Yeah. Not, or it never literally happened never, never happened. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So you took the shrooms and then that kind of kicked you into this spiritual phase where you're just trying to figure yourself out or? Yeah. That was when I really became more like aware of how I felt and how things made me feel. Um, and then from there on, like, I don't know. That was just like, that is what I go back to as like the start of the spiritual journey, at least. Just so what do you think out. of, what do you think about God now? Uh, I don't know. I feel like God is like a, that word in general, it turns a lot of people off. But if you just say, like, I was, I, I forget, I was at a dinner or something the other night. And someone was like, so like, what does everyone think? What do you think about God? It was weird. It was like some sort of question thing happening between two people. And someone was like, what do you think about God? And everyone, sh the guy shut down. He was like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't fuck with that or whatever. And then she's like, okay, what do you think about spirituality? And he's like, oh, like then opens up to this whole new world. So I don't know. I think that's a triggering word a little bit. Um, you don't but, think there's a God out there? I, yeah, I do. But I don't think that people know what that means. Like, I don't think there's a, a guy who's up there who's like fucking like watching you and making shit like Santa Claus. You know what I mean? That's, I feel like I used to, I feel like they teach you in Catholic school and just in general that God is Santa Claus. In, in a lot of ways not santa claus like straight it's a it's an one, omnipresent but, man who's yeah. like kind of watching just your a, every move just like a a thing a person i think like god to me is the world just the fact that the unexplainables almost like the fact that the world is work works the way it does the fact that we're here from like stardust that turned into organisms that over a like millions of years turned into humans that can now comprehend that there's been mil billions of years before us like that doesn't make any sense you know what i mean this the none of this shit makes sense but it works so perfectly and that's what i feel like god is to me just whoever the, created that just the unexplainable is like how are we on a rock that's the perfect distance from this burning bigger rock that gives us the right amount of heat and cold to like house life forms you know what i mean how how is that a thing but it is and to me that's what god is there's a book i read recently called principles by ray dalio Have you ever heard of it yeah so I've, I got the app and I was like working my way through, but I never finished it. So essentially like his philosophy is that what's going on right now in humanity is everyone needs to coexist 
to push the ball down the field for the greater good. Mm. Do you think that's where humanity is headed for a, like a, a greater good? I hope so. But do you think that? Do you think like we're here because essentially he's like humans evolve over time and the dominant traits that help progress humanity forward will prevail and the weak traits will die off. But it's all headed towards something good in a more advanced species. Do you think that? I believe that. I don't know if I can say. It's just hard to think that in a day-to-day life with everything that happens every other day, you know? Um, but I do, I do believe that, I would say. How do, you, how do you separate yourself from feeling self-important? Because I feel like just based mm-hmm. on meeting you now, you somewhat egoless i i wouldn't say that okay (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's like that's like impossible you know what i mean everyone only has their own perspective Mm -hmm. so like no matter what your world does revolve around you because it's the only perspective you have but at the same time like i've done a lot of work of trying to break that because i think i mean even going back to music i feel like you can't create anything great by yourself like you need going back to any like just anything you know what i mean you need multiple people or a ton of people like the best shows i've ever been to the concerts the best songs i've ever heard the best you know buildings that were ever built like that's not one person doing that that's like a fuckload of people like getting their heads together and like pushing so pushing that rock down the field for the greater good, like, I think that humans are very capable of that. But I think it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, there's also people pushing the other way, always. I've tried to be really conscious about that since I've been out here. Because it, we are in such a place where you have to be selfish to get your own stuff going. Like, it's just hard when you're in this environment sometimes not to be selfish. Do you feel me when I say mm-hmm. that? Or Yeah. Yeah, totally. So how, do you, how have you been cognizant of that the last six years? Mm. There's been, like, I'm just not trying to take shortcuts out here. I don't want to do wrong by anybody. I want to develop real relationships with people. But everything moves so fucking fast out here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and, and out here, like, a lot of people are being selfish and just thinking about themselves and just trying to go, you know, do what, do what helps them. And I, I innately like, I mean, but we're both out here for selfish reasons. Like right. we want to totally. reach another level. We want to grow our careers. Right. And like, you know, I think, I don't know. I think that truly the people who will end up surrounding you if you are selfless as you can be and are trying to be as good as possible and not being selfish, like you're going to surround yourself with people who are like that because there is like when you meet someone new, you can tell if they are here for themselves or here for like you or not even you just like the greater good. Right. Understood. And you can, I mean, you can tell and, Everyone can tell, even if it's just like a vibe thing. Like I didn't fuck with that dude's vibe, or I did fuck with that dude's vibe. But I think you probably have a better radar on that than I do, though. I don't know. I mean, I've 
I've worked on my radar definitely, and I mean worked on like you've probably been just jaded. experienced yeah. a lot here, and um, yeah, it. I mean, you'll if you don't already, you'll okay, you'll get there. Yeah, you're gonna get fucked over at some <laughs> point, bro. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it happens. I one thing I liked, we had a dude on here. He was like, "Bro, like L.A. is just kind of like a marathon. Like it's just gonna take a long time." Yeah. Have Have you been able to adopt that mentality? It's tough when you're young. Especially because you had such a hot fucking, right off the rip, you were in the mix. Yeah. No, it definitely has, like, it. I felt like that year, after my first year, I was like, it's a wrap. I'm I'm good. Like, this shit's about to go off. You saw him with Khalifa. You are probably yeah. like, yo, let's fucking. Yeah, I was like. How old are you, 18? Yeah, I was, I was, I just turned 19, I think. Um. And I had a song with Wiz. I was about to go on my first tour. I was like, oh, it's a wrap. Just dropped out of school. Come on. Uh. But I was with a management group at the time, and like, I think there were, you know, they they had a different um, perspective on like, you know, they came up twenty years ago. The game had changed. Uh, they were really great at a lot of things. I learned so much from them. Um, but like at the end of the day, it wasn't the right fit, and that taught me a lot too. Because like, if if I'm rolling with this crew of people that's like not fitting everyone we interact with is going to feel that you know what i mean everyone who we talk to on podcasts or radio or like every show even like something's going to be a little bit off and it's not all like gelling and people are going to feel that energy and it's just not going to work as well as it would if was this the first management company you worked with yeah i think a lot of artists go through that experience yeah you cycle through managers yeah yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm blessed to have. So my cousin Theron that I was telling you about, um, who I started producing with with Daniel, like when I was twelve. Um, He's a day one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, truly a day one because he was literally probably there when I was day born. One, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. He was always helping me. I mean, even when the first songs were coming out, he was my go to to like he taught me how to email blogs when that was a thing he taught me how to like play the soundcloud game and get repos he's and stuff. a hustler yeah he and he like you know maybe doesn't have 20 years of music industry experience but he is a hustler he understands me and like he understands a lot about how you know things work, things work. and Street smart. Yeah. And like at the end of the day, I feel very confident no matter what happens, he has my best interest. And that makes me feel comfortable and lets me be like a hundred percent myself and in whatever form. And I know he's going to back, like go to bat for me, which I think is being an artist is huge because like you need to push the boundaries. You need to, or at least you need to be very authentic. And that was, I think the biggest thing with, with the first management company was they were pushing me to i was also like 19 at the time i, so like, say, you, I didn't know, you know what the fuck, what the fuck was fuck going on doing, 19 yeah. years old yeah and like so i didn't have the the same direction and focus and drive that i have now so their job was probably harder too but they were like pushing me basically on any trend that was working with labels they were like do that like put cover cover up videos up on youtube or like post on instagram every day like three times or whatever your potential industry plan is what you're saying yeah and i'm just like <laughs> i can't do that because that's not me they're like be authentic 
on Instagram and post three times a day. I'm like, okay, well, authentic me would literally never post on Instagram because I don't like social media like that. But, you know, it is a great tool. It is a great tool. And so I understand, and that definitely taught me a lot of things. But, you know, that's, yeah, at the end of the day, like, you can't really be doing that and try to be authentic when that's not authentic. What, what? How did your ego feel when you are 19 and you move out here and you're potentially saying you get a song with Khalifa? Like, how were you feeling inside? Good. (laughs) Probably like the fucking that guy. Yeah. I mean, it was really cool. I mean, it was really, it was, it was like a little bit surreal, I think. I mean, we went in the studio, like met him. That was really cool. He's a super chill guy, obviously, but like also like very with it. Um, like really dope dude. Uh, but I think it was the craziest thing was like we sent him the song and we got back like his verse and it was like, you know, a real feature melody where he's like taking parts of my melodies and stuff and like like playing with the lyrics that I wrote and stuff, which I thought was so cool. Like just someone like that on that status being like, oh, this is dope. I fuck with these melodies like I fuck with this beat like I'm going to fucking hop on this and like take from it because it's good like i thought that was the coolest part and did you just think wins like that they'd come like really easy after that Ye- I-, I would definitely yeah that was a great pun by me yeah <laughs> so you got the songs called easy is yeah. i'm a genius i'm a genius easy, i'm a genius <laughs> yeah uh definitely yeah and like there were a lot of wins you know but that at the end of the day there's just so much more that goes into it that i had no idea you know it just takes time and just grinding and putting shit out and like taking shit down mm-hmm. and just evolving and figuring out, you know, figuring out what is actually you. I think you think, you know, now I think I have a lot better idea now. I got to be really honest with you. I think I had a better idea of who I was when I was 24 than today. Well, which freaks me the fuck out sometimes. I mean, it's, I feel like it's always changing. I right, it was just always my goal to make a big fucking movie in Boston. Mm. Always. Everything I did. It was every thought. And then I did it, put it in theaters. Fucking Dude, I watched it too. It was, it was you enjoy good. it? Yeah, I really did. I'm glad, man. Yeah. It was always my fucking goal. And then I got it. And I'm like, dude, I want to die. Like, what do I do now? Right. So next, now I'm in next, LA running a podcast, I guess. No, yeah. And I mean, it fluctuates every month for me. Like, you know, I'm like... All I'm working on is finishing this album. Then the album's finished. Now I'm like, okay, now what? You know what I mean? And then I'm like, okay, now I needed to work on the live show. So now that's what I'm like fully focusing. Then that starts happening. And you're like, okay, what do I do now? Like, okay, now I'm going and touring. Um, so are you setting up a tour? Starting to. Cool. We have no nothing in the books yet. But I mean, we're probably going to do a few shows in LA beforehand. Nice. Um, start like building there. Roadrunner um, in Boston would be sick. Have you seen that new venue that popped no. up? No, Roadrunner. Brand new venue. Sick. It's like twenty four hundred, but you can do a you could do like a five hundred. You could do a thousand. That'd be fire. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I think I think realistically, my thinking at least right now is that we're gonna do some sort of, um, you know, a couple months of shows in L.A. and then see what the touring situation is like after that. Maybe like beginning of next year something like that what are the venues out here like the for an up-and-coming artist 
I've played the Roxy. Roxy. Every time I went on tour for some reason, three tours, like every single time they played at the Roxy. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it was me or whatever. It's it, I like the I love the Roxy. The it's Hollywood? a great place. Uh, yeah, it's it's on Sunset, I believe. Yeah, okay. Um, but like a Troubadour, uh, the Moroccan Lounge. Moroccan. Um, That's why Johan Lennox is show over there. Have you met him yet? I have not met him. After this, I'll I'll link you if you'd like. Okay, yeah, him. yeah. Nice I guy. mean, I'd, he's from Winchester. Yeah, he he knows a lot of the people that I know, and I feel like we've, you know, we'll we'll cross paths. I'm starting to realize like a high school out here. Yeah, facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of dope spots. Winston House, obviously, I got a shout out on the west side. Nice. There's not enough on the west side, um, but Winston House is the spot over there. Um, the bungalow. Bungalow. Not a great there spot for go. a show, though. Not a great <laughs> show. Yeah, right. But, you know. Um, We're thinking about going there after this. Nice. Feel free to join us. True. The bungalow. Fire. Um, yeah. The, let's see, the tr- did I say the Troubadour? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Peppermint. Hotel Cafe. Hotel Cafe. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I've been seeing this new girl, and she's, like, obsessed with venues out here. Yeah. So I'm just trying to El Rey. El Rey is good. The El Echo. Ray. Echoplex too. Okay. Um, I'd love to go to a show. Yeah. Uh, what's the one downtown? I forget what it's called. Hollywood Bowl. Hollywood Bowl is dope. That's a really dope. It's a big ass So is the uh, other one that's like similar to the Hollywood Bowl. I mean, there's oh, oh the, the, oh, the, the crypto Fonda's arena. Good too. The yeah, right. It's crypto. <laughs> Crypto.com. <Yeah>, Crypto.com <laughs> arena. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the Greek is really sick. Okay. Um. Yeah, the Greek, you should go to the Greek. It's like outdoors. Um, and it's similar to the Hollywood Bowl. Same vibe, but like deeper in the east side, I think. Unless I'm confusing. I think the Greek is sick, though. Uh, my favorite theater, I don't know, though, if it's actually this good. I saw Bonnie Vare back to back nights at the YouTube theater. Is that how you say it? Bonnie Vare? Bonnie Vare, yeah. I did not know that. I thought it was Bon Iver. Bon Iver, yeah. I think I used to think that. I, so I you're calling I, me stupid. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I love Bonnie Iver, and I like watched all his interviews and shit, and like dove into his his world. So that's how I know. I could see you liking him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big big Bon Iver fan. Yeah, who do you listen to now? Bon Iver, Daniel Caesar. Uh, that's dope. Tame Impala, Anderson Pack, Silk Sonic shit is dope. Um, a lot of like my friends too, just unreleased shit. Oh, bro, know what I was thinking, bro? You gotta connect with Claro. Mm, I'm down. She's from Concord. Yeah. Did you know that? I did. I she went to. I might be wrong. She went to one. Did she go to an ISL school? I have no clue. Both but my like, brother dude. and sister went to school in Concord. So Where my they go, sister Concord Academy? was my maybe no. They went to Middlesex. Oh, oh, word. Yeah. Oh, word. Okay. But my sister was, like, in the same grade or something. She's like, yo, this girl from Concord School, one of the schools in Concord is going crazy. That's how I found her originally. But she's dope. She's really dope. The best, man. Yeah, she's really good. No one really knows she's from our area. Yeah. Her recent album, too, was really cool. She was, like, pushing pushing the boundaries. Was she? Yeah. I don't know if she's dropped anything since then, but, like, a couple months ago, I heard a project from her. Yeah, I used to love Pretty Girl. Do you know who that is, Kill? 
she's like alternative so you don't it's not like she's really like rep in her city but she's actually from concord and she makes amazing music her name's claro really good man and i could see you guys kind of having like a genre crossover there a little bit yeah yeah she's dope why not um dude on my phone i had two questions that i wanted to ask you i just want to make sure i don't miss them oh uh, yeah the first one let me come clean with you i'm a little confused usually when i preface a question like this it's because like i'm gonna cut up a clip because i think i'm being funny so that's what i'm doing right now we'll see if i'm funny or not dude what is this thing <laughs> can i tell you what i'm guessing it is yes is it a nuclei with hair on it <laughs> it's an isa orb dude an isa orb <laughs> no an isa orb it's i'd made it up okay yeah no uh <laughs> that yeah did you see it yeah, I was, this was, so over quarantine, when this stuff was being made, I was like locked in my house with me, my girlfriend, our roommate, our, and then one of my good friends, um, Alex, uh, and we turned the garage into an art studio where we just like had speakers, ping pong table, um, bunch of painting supplies and like a bunch of canvases and stuff so i was like okay the world is shut down right now i can finish this album by myself by just like making shit um on the speakers like i may as well get the artwork done too because i have all this time and no one's i'm not doing anything else so i just painted like a bunch of canvases and i painted that little guy really and originally it was sideways so it was like a little orb. I had like this fixation with little circular things. I don't know why at that time. And then what? Did you put it into like Lightroom? Yeah. You did? Did you I do that graphic it. stuff too? Yeah. So I, that's actually three canvases. And I, so I did the orb, the Issa orb. <laughs> uh, it was actually originally this way. If you turn the phone like that. Yeah. It was, oh, oh. nope. It changed. Uh, it was sideways. And then Theron, my manager, was like, yo, what if we turn it like this? It looks like a dude. <laughs> it does look like a little dude. And I was like, yo, we should do that. You know, it's it's kind of giving me like Lilo and Stitch vibes. Oh, that's fire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it just felt right. It's beautiful. Though, yeah. Makes you want right. to cry. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was just like, this is what the music feels like. I would say so. I would say the visual definitely matches the audio. Oh, yeah. Good. Hell yeah. yeah. The ESA orb. The ESA orb. Okay, I got one more calculated question here I gotta ask you. Bro. You have gone through an impeccably tumultuous journey with your hair. Bro, every photo I see, you got a new damn hairstyle, brother. Yeah, dude. It's Look been, uh, here. This must be the Middle East days, right? No, that was maybe a year after that. But I think I was rocking the same hair at that point. Boy had the Elvis look. Then you had, what do we call that? The flop. 
the flop. Flop bear, Johnny That's, Depp. So that, this is like. Johnny Depp. Okay, well, I guess we can call it the Johnny yeah. Depp. And then you buzzed it. Yeah. And then you had this thing going on. Yeah. And now you got this. So yeah. tell me, is, do you like rebrand it every time you have new music out or? I wish that I had that much forethought with my hair, but like, I just wake up one day, I'm like, I'm going for it. And then I just do it. Like whether it's bleaching the hair or like shaving the head. The shaving the head thing came through, uh, well, I had the long hair first, and then I buzzed it all off. But I was, like, meditating a lot early in quarantine. Uh, I was doing these, like, long, hour-long meditations every day. And I kept having this vision of, like, me rocking a shaved head with a fat beard. Like, being, like, feeling confident in myself. and like Getting being, some traps, feeling yeah, jacked. Just, like, feeling like, yeah. like, <laughs> And then, like, being on stage and performing the music like that. Uh and I was like, okay, like, I'm gonna shave my head, and then I did it. And did you feel that way? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I lo- shaved head was the best. I mean, it's it's great. I love the shaved head. I will go back to it at some point. Really? But did your mom freak out? Uh, no. My mom doesn't give a shit about what I do with my hair. <laughs> really? She like, yeah, she she's hilarious. She like is very like, oh yeah, this is how it is now. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know. But uh, my dad would be like make snag comments all the time. Well, <laughs> yeah. But uh, is he happy with the new phase? When he first saw it, he he cracked up, and then Did he it? was like, "Okay, it's kind of dope." He's like, "We can't control our son." <laughs> yeah, this guy's off the wall. Yeah, no, but I, I don't know the bleaching the hair thing. I just, I don't know. I've always wanted to try it, and I did it. Um, I don't know, a couple months Looks ago. Looks nice, man. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's all in house. My girlfriend that did it. So, did she? Yeah. Uh, it's a pain in the ass to get it this bright though, because my hair is so dark, like naturally, that we have to do it multiple times, which is like probably not good for my hair. How long have you been wifed up for? Almost three years. And has that helped you focus? I'd say so. Yeah, I mean my girlfriend is like awesome she's super great uh she's a songwriter too um it's like definitely made me more i don't know i've learned a lot through the relationship um and yeah i would say it takes care of that whole side of my life in a way where you don't have to be out chasing I'm, chicks. Yeah, I'm not out, you know, chasing anything. I'm not thinking about, like, I have that. And it's like a support system almost, you know. I mean, it is. Like, it's, you know, I have I have this handled. I don't need to devote half of my brain to thinking about that. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, if you're three years in, I'm sure you love your girl. Did you, did you know that initially? Like, I love this girl? or how I definitely, that... like... I met her in Israel on oh, nice. a songwriting camp and like pretty immediately I would, I felt something different than I would feel with other girls. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always just felt like in the past I've had relationships here and there where, you know, sometimes I don't feel the pull enough or like sometimes um, when they're not there, I feel like 
I'm like, like I don't feel good or something or like there's trust issues there or whatever. Like there was just never any of the badness with her, which like I'm always like comfortable with her, without her, whatever's happening. You're right or die. Yeah. I mean, obviously we get in arguments here and there and like we live together, but um, yeah, we're, it's, it's very like, it's just a nice, it's really nice. I feel like someone got your back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were just talking about that before this. It's just on, like, you got to have, a, like, the perfect girl on the come up to help you out. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's so important. It's so important. But it's, it's such a fine line. Like, they got it's got to be a perfect fit if you're going to be wifed on the come up. Yeah. You feel that way? I do. I mean, it seems like you found it, so. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens, but it feels, at this point, good. And it's not hindering my ability, which is huge for me because, like, I care about that as much as I care about anything else, like my music. And I feel like that's my greatest gift to the world or the great, like my. Your offering. The thing I'm the best at and the thing that, yeah, my greatest offering. And that's super, like, so important to me. So I, that's why I do it all the time. And obviously. You're also good at it and like you like it. Yeah, and I love it. And it, and it, I mean, it gives me as much as I give it, but that's kind of like, it's the same thing with her. Like, I get whatever energy I give, I get back two times. And that's like with music too. Like, every, all the energy I give to that, I get back two times. So it, uh, how, now he's going to make us wrap up pretty soon, but, um, okay, cool. How, how do you, uh, meditate? Like, how do you do it? It depends. It really depends on the, uh, like the month. Honestly, I sometimes a lot of times if I'm not fully in the mindset, I'll just do, like, a, I'll go on calm.com. I have a subscription, and I just do the daily calm. It's it like works. A 10, 15 minute guided meditation, and whenever I'm like not like ready to like lock in, that'll just like get me set before any session. I'll do that before any time I'm going and like working on any song or anything just settle me like every day and then on the days where i'm feeling better like you know go to a nice place go outside just sit um i always focus on my breath first um until i'm like settled in and then there's a lot of like different meditations that i do but i would say like the simplest my anchor usually is coming back to the in and out breath no, if anything goes wrong or if I go anywhere else, like coming back to that. Um, How then, long is a session normally? I mean, so when I was meditating for an hour, like those were, those are the longest sessions I've done. I did that for two months, pretty much every day. But that was over quarantine when I, like, I had the time to do that. I don't feel like I have that time right now, but at some point I think I'll get back to it. Um, but I'd say like, between 10 and 30 minutes um and i'll usually do it before working like i can't i I don't start sessions anymore before if i don't meditate because it's just like i've i think i've trained myself from doing it so much to like get immediately get into that creative zone after a meditation like i have this i do my vocal warm-ups I light some Palo Santo 
and then I meditate, and then after that, like I'm ready to work. And you're productive. Yeah, I would say I would say that if I'm not if I'm feeling antsy or whatever, I'm not feeling like motivated to go in. Like that will get me ready and set. See, I would really love to meditate, and I would love to have that clarity. But there's a part of me that thinks like I really do feed off the mania and the chaos. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it keeps me productive. Hmm. Before you had met, I mean, you don't take me as someone who likes feeding off the chaos. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, would it, would that would it strip me of my powers if I started it? I mean, I feel like you got to try it. You know what I mean? Some people might say yes. I think you. I think it gives you just clarity of mind and like the if there's chaos and maybe you and it depends how you use it too like if you're using it to motivate you you can do that too you know what i mean um i think it just sitting down and just like thinking for 10 minutes a day or like you're not supposed to be or not thinking just stopping and like like feeling or like breathing or just like making things simple um just for 10 minutes a day like that's some peace of mind or motivation or whatever it is just clarity like you know i think it's good for everyone to just take a break you know what i mean at the end of the day and then like there are so many other benefits of meditation including like i don't know you know i think that stress is bad for the most part i think there's a healthy stress i think there's a healthy stress but i think overstress is not but how do you tote that line you know what i'm saying right you need a little stress you need a little fear to keep you going for sure i told you we come from the the fields in ireland fighting for potatoes man yeah true that's in my veins yeah i wouldn't say though that it takes the stress away like fully i think it like organizes it a little bit it gives you it gives you time every day it's like taking time to like plan your week you know what i mean you're more if you take 30 minutes on sunday to plan your week you're going to accomplish all the shit that you want to accomplish this week. Or like at least do a better job of doing that than if you just dive into the week without planning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least from my experience that when I do and I don't, I'm, I do better when I plan on Sundays. So like, I do the same thing. You know, you take 10 minutes a day to organize the chaos or just, or just like, you know, get ready for it. I think that preparation makes everything else better for me. But to, it is to each his own, you know what I mean? Well, I think if I want to try psychedelics ever, I'm going to hit you up. Yeah. I feel like you have a good perspective on it and yeah. a good execution plan. <laughs> yeah. I feel like psychedelics are not a f- not like, I mean, they're, they are fun. I don't ever use them for as like a party drug. They're not, they're, I don't even like calling them drugs. Kill, when was the last time you did shrooms? <laughs> he loves them he's a writer yeah yeah I like i i use them i use them mostly i usually microdose now and mostly when i'm making music geo how about you have you done it no i'm not that cool i think you're cool man um dude before we wrap up i'd love for you to talk about your new single so we can get you a nice clip yeah so tell me about it yeah we love part one first single off the new album we love um I'm going to be be releasing a single a month, basically for the next like eight months till the whole project's out. Nice. So keep everyone 
fed uh, with the music. I feel like, as I was saying before, like this is the music I've um, spent my whole life wanting to make but not being able to make because I didn't have the experience. But like over the last three years, I had the time and all the cumulative cumulative experience um, to create the songs that I've been wanting to make since I was like 10 years old. So like, feels good. Um, I'm really excited for it. Excited to play it live. When's it drop? First song comes out July 8th. A week from yesterday? So it's out now. It's out, it's out now. Not right now. When you see this when face see and that this. face, it will be out. Just dropped on Friday. Is it more Maui vibes or Malibu vibes? Whoa. Because with you, it's a mixed bag, brother. I feel like if it hit, if you found the point in the middle of Maui and Malibu, that's probably where where it'd be. That'd be the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, so somewhere, <laughs> somewhere deep. If if they just met in the middle and there's little like island of sand, it's like Castaway. Tom yeah. Hanks's island. Yeah, just hanging out there, you know. Okay, yeah. that's what to expect. There's some didgeridoo in there. A volleyball. Yeah, volleyball. Wilson. Wilson. We named my, my parents named their last dog after Wilson the volleyball. So yeah. is the dog's name Wilson? Yeah. Well, the dog passed away, unfortunately. But what the fuck, I man, we were having a good time. <laughs> I know. Come on, bro. Yeah, it was a. It was a kind of recent. It was in the past six months. So it was like a recent. Damn, it's a fresh wound, yeah, too, brother. But Damn. but yeah, we we named the dog after that because we watched the movie obviously and we were like yo what if that scene was playing and we had a dog named wilson and he was like wilson and then wilson would freak out and be like yo what the fuck it's kind of cruel but i also and i don't mean to disrespect the dog but isn't it also kind of like a bad omen to name the dog Wilson because like mm. that volleyball got lost at sea, brother. That volleyball did get lost at sea. But, it was like a devastating scene. But also like the big tennis family, Wilson tennis balls, oh, Wilson tennis racket. It, so it's it. you know, there's a lot of Yeah. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wilson that, Farm though. Oh Wilson <laughs> Farm. <laughs> yeah, that, like that. that place hits. Yeah, the place is fire. Um yeah. okay, this is how we start in the episode. Gio, thank you for your help, man. Kill, thank you for your attendance and your yeah. positive energy always, brother. This is how we start and end the episode. I'm going to say it once. not going to repeat it. Hi, your name, and this is my golden hour. Directly after no break, hi, your name, and that was my golden hour. Okay. You ready? You might want to look at the camera. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kai, and this is my golden hour. Hi, I'm Kai, and that was my golden hour. Well executed, brethren. Got it. Good to go, Gio. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. <laughs>